Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to welcome everyone in the audience today. Thank you for taking time to be with us. And of course, a big shout out goes to our sponsor, Hiawatha Broadband Communications. And you can find them at um, www.hbci.com. All right, so we're here to provide uh, useful information and insights to help communities, companies, nonprofit organizations get more, better broadband to everywhere it needs to be in America. Uh, one minor housekeeping item uh, we're not taking uh, call ins today, but you can join us on the uh, live chat that's happening here on the um, on the show's homepage within Blog Talk Radio. Jay Ovatori is our online co-host, and he's going to be keeping things lively there, though I do think you have to register uh, for an account in order to participate. So let's, um, let's kick off the show. So joining us today is Sandy Terry, who is the CIO at Franklin County, Virginia. And um, Sandy, besides being uh, CIO for the county, is also... Uh, a pretty good artist and has some really impressive artwork out there. So at some point you gotta you gotta check her stuff out. Um, now today we're gonna paint some pictures uh, verbally of what happens in a community when they get serious broadband, uh, and particularly for our rural communities and and small towns. And so I want to you know make this uh, this one point early. Uh, wireless is a key. Uh, part of the equation, and I think that you know people think that we're only talking about fiber here, but no, 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 we're talking about wireless as well. So, so Sandy, you've got um, a wireless network there. You formed a, a, a public-private partnership with a wireless ISP or WISP in shorthand, and they've built uh, the network there um, in partnership with the county. And I understand there's a number of successes you've had. There, you know, you've got broadband connectivity for your businesses and consumers. Uh, what you're up to thousands of, of customers so far. Uh, added fire and rescue stations. Uh, roped them in into the the county's wide area network, and also improved data and wireless communications throughout the county and reduced telecom expenditures. Whew. So that's a pretty, okay. That's, that's a pretty good starting list. So, so give us the big picture view. How did you get from where you started to where you are now? I was going to say you you pretty much covered it there. Um, <laughs> we had <laughs> we had no wide area network even amongst our government facilities, so that was a, a huge problem for myself and my team. And um, we were looking at what it was going to take to upgrade our public safety radio system, which put our focus on the tower infrastructure that we had in the county. And dealing with the technology challenges of not having a wide area network, it just kind of came together within the team of, hmm, we have all these towers and we're thinking about putting up a few more towers. Is there not a way to leverage this to build our wide area network? And, oh, by the way, wouldn't that bring broadband to our citizens and and our businesses? So um, we went out and searched for a wireless Internet service provider because we did not want to be um, the Internet service provider. We have a very small team. Mm -hmm. And uh, leverage that infrastructure to build the wireless network. Oh, okay. No, go ahead, sir. we had uh, one re- response to an RFP, and fortunately that one response was a very um, well-adept team that was well-versed with Motorola Canopy wireless infrastructure. They had already built a small network in a neighboring county, um, not for that county but for their own use. So we became their, their primary playground then. <laughs> well, cool. So now, what kind of specs are there for the network? How fast and how big is the footprint? Uh, that has changed over over. We we've had this partnership now for six years. That's mm-hmm. a pretty that's a pretty huge accomplishment right there. Um, they have they can pretty much 
give us any bandwidth we need. And we have um, we have taken well advantage of that between our government facilities to deploy voice over IP to all of our facilities uh, across their network, and they do the segmentation. But just last year, they upgraded all of their equipment within our county to increase all the pipes. It's a fully redundant network. They can give us, I mean, we, we pull 10, 11 meg anywhere we want. Um, they can give us whatever we need. And um, Franklin County citizens and businesses, of course, were not slow to consume that bandwidth. So, you know, in four years, they were at the point of having to upgrade all mm -hmm. the pipes. So okay. um, that kind of speaks to the success of it. Interesting. Now, Franklin County is a pretty rural area, isn't it? it can you give us a, a little bit of the lay of the land? Very. Yes. 721 square miles. We are bordered on the west side by the Blue Ridge Parkway. So we are essentially the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And on the east side, we have this gorgeous lake, 500-mile shoreline. Um, and the terrain is, it's gorgeous, but it is very, um, very hilly and in some places uh, very rocky. So it's we have cable infrastructure and we have some DSL in the center of the county, which is the town seat. But... The build-out of fiber in a lot of the directions outside of the county seat, the center, and away from the lake become very difficult for anyone. And our neighborhoods, our community developments can have quite a number of miles between them. So to just go, you know, if one neighborhood happens to have cable to get it to another one is not a good business decision for the cable provider. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the lay, in, lay of land in terms of okay providers. You've got a lot of uh, terrain challenges. I guess about the best way to uh, describe Very, it. Very, yeah. How do you how do you overcome that? Because I mean, I'm sure there are other places that have similar, you know, terrain issues. Well, we the network the our wireless partner now has equipment on about 21 different vertical assets mostly they're towers but there's some water tanks and there's some small towers and then there's a few utility poles plugged into this network we're fortunate as i said on the west side with the blue ridge parkway so that is the uh the height <laughs> advantage, and there's actually one transmitter up there on a um, a facility that organization needed um, service, so they gave up some space for equipment in exchange, and that worked out really well. So that, that gave our partner the ability to shoot down into our county. And then on the north side, we have another very large mountain, and again, that plays into an integral piece. There are still areas that, you know, or we, if I say this word, everybody will laugh, but it's hollow, you know, like a holler. Uh, uh, yep, yep, you know about that. <laughs> well, you know, we still have some of those spaces that are not filled because it depends on the population, and, you know, you have to erect transmitters, you know, all over the place to get down into those little cracks and crevices. But mm -hmm. for the most part, we've we've managed to cover about 70% of the county. So at some point you have to address the fact that being wireless, you need either what line of sight and height, mm -hmm. height and line of sight. I mean, I guess to go hand yeah. in hand. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we we have a lot of citizens. I had a citizen call me this morning that is in one of those unfortunate locations and we have many like him that say you can put a tower on my hill. Well, yes, but do you have a lot of trees up there? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you you have to get above those trees. You have to have a road in. You have to have some power to that that tower or pole. Um, we do have one tower that was so remote that we could not get power to it. So it is actually a solar tower. And that, that's been um, a challenge in a couple winters ago, but it's it's become an integral part of the network. 
So solar power is how you're getting the juice to the tower and everything else just works as as advertised. Yep. Then. Yep. That's yep. pretty impressive. Um, yeah, it works. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, no doubt at all on that one. So now you've you've got this network in place. Do you know roughly what kinds of speeds uh your constituents get? Um we the near line of sight is probably only um low end probably one point five. Um it depends, but now the line of sight we easily I mean it at our government facilities are five and eight. Oh really? Okay. And yes. um so now how how do you account for the difference in then? Is it is it well, the near line of sight is is different technology that our partner has to use, um, okay. and they actually just did an upgrade. I think Motorola um, released some different near line of sight technology a year ago, and they deployed that just prior to last winter and then some after winter that increased those speeds some. But that's, you know, it's just the canopy and the trees. Those things are challenges. Right, right, right. So um, in terms of the network and its benefits, what what kind of benefits are you are you getting? I mean, I, I highlighted obviously just a couple, but <laughs> what 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 are some I know there's, there's got to be more. I mean, you know, there there are many more. Um yeah, we in 2005 when we first formed this partnership, our WISP partner was serving had equipment on just two locations in our county. They were serving just five businesses, mm-hmm. and really that was the extent of their customer base. They're now up to thousands of residential and hundreds of businesses. All of our our county is primarily, um, we have paid public safety staff, but we are primarily volunteer-based Mm-hmm. And all having all 16 fire and rescue stations on one network has certainly allowed public safety to push out a lot of training, to gather statistics. You know, if you can see what's going on, then you can manage it. Okay. Um, so it's made, a, I think, a great improvements in our public safety service. And then within the local government, we, as I mentioned, we deployed the voice over IP to all offices, which dropped our telecom expenses 36% in two years. And that was just within the first three years of this network, which was a very opportune time for local government to be able to, to realize a, a savings. Okay. So this seems to point to the fact that, that the wireless speeds you're getting are sufficient for the task at hand because you know when people talk about you know why do we go with fiber versus um wireless which acts to me as a full, sort of a false dichotomy that we're putting one against the other anyway but I'll, I'll come back to that but but in general people say well you know fiber is faster and wireless has its limits but what you're describing i mean basically return replacing you know traditional phone lines with voip over ip then that obviously what speaks to the quality of service of the network? Absolutely. And, Craig, let me tell you what happened um, last year, two years ago. We moved into a new government facility. Um, and, you know, the the economy it was kind of tough, but we repurposed an old grocery store building, which sounds kind of strange, but it turned out to be a beautiful government um, center. We were scheduled to move all of the county administration into that facility in January of 2009. We had hoped to have two pieces of fiber um, run in in the town, the the town seat of the county, prior that fall prior that would give us a fiber, basically a fiber ring back to our courthouse complex. Where our our courts are at, and our sheriff's department, and you know we still had a lot of people to support there. We only were able to get one piece of that fiber in, installed because the other piece was tied to a project 
handled and managed by the town, and it had a lot of delays. We could not delay moving county staff into this new facility. So our wireless partner and that wireless network carried this whole government center and all the agencies that moved here, our voice and our data, for a year and a half before that fiber, that last piece of fiber was in the ground. And we did not have any problems. There were, and I know that some people, when they hear me say this, will think, oh, no, but we we still had staff listening to Pandora's radio and streaming <laughs> video and our our data and our voice network was solid um i think that is a testament to the quality of service and the stability of this wireless network okay and putting a fine point on the fact that wireless is indeed a viable technology to consider in communities' broadband plans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I was going to ask this later in the program, but I may as well put it here. The uh, FCC is currently in an effort to reform the whole Universal Service Fund and, and then try to move that to funding broadband in addition to just voice, which is what it historically has done. But they have identified, or I I should say that um, several carriers have put a proposal in front of the FCC with their version of of, uh, USF reform. And one of the things it does is it puts the the definition of broadband at four megs down and one meg up. Um, Clearly, there are parts of your network that are within that spec, but is that a viable definition of broadband, say, two, three years from now? Oh, no. No, I don't think so. Um, Then how are you going to make that transition? Because um, at a certain point you hit the natural ceiling of how fast a wireless network can go. But in this interim period, I mean, do you build or, yes, has has your network been built for uh, moving up to faster speeds? or When when our wireless partner deployed the newer technology just just this past winter, Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate in being a guinea pig at my <laughs> house for okay. that new connection, and um, he just opened it wide open to see how much he could crank out of it. Mm-hmm. And I had the equivalent uh, of you know a T three or two three T ones run into my house and. It was incredible. <laughs> I was like, okay, I enjoy being that guinea pig. So, you know, I know in just the, you know, six years they've been doing this, the technology has already advanced quite a bit from what we started out with. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, I don't think that it's going to stop. It's just right. too many rural areas, and I, I cannot fathom that anyone is going to be able to get broadband to all the rural areas without incorporating wireless. Right. Okay. And and that makes uh, that makes sense um, because there are just some places where you, you're just going to have to have wireless, or else you're not going to be able to reach them. And that makes sense. It sounds though like you you were. Um, I want to say fortunate, but probably the more accurate uh, word is, you know, you have done your due diligence well because it seems like you have a partner that's able to adapt and evolve with the technology, and they're keeping ahead of the game for you. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, People make a difference, but that was built into our original agreement is their commitment, you know, in in X number of years, you, you have to keep, the technology upgraded, you have to keep building the network. You have to keep providing the bandwidth that this county can consume. Right, okay. So it was part of the contractual agreement. Absolutely, yes. Okay. And I should probably make a note that in uh, Philadelphia, when they were developing their initial plans for a citywide wireless network, they too had, as part of the uh, the RFP, uh, a very clear requirement for um, enhancing the network and evolving the network as changes were to happen. 
uh, taking into account the fact that you know you can't on on this end know all of the developments that are going to happen down the road and what advances there's there are going to be and so forth and so you you got to figure out how to word it so that you know you don't put them in a straitjacket but at the same time you know they're obligated to keep pace with whatever the latest developments are correct yeah i think you you know you have to just as we had to come to agreement on how we were going to value the space on our vertical assets. You have to come to agreement on at what percent of consumption is it time for you to to make the upgrades. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't want to, you do not want to wait until it's maxed out. Right. So you always have to be ahead of the game because it's going to take time exactly. to crack up to those. Uh, by the way, when you mentioned the one uh, uh, business on the high ground that is the, the source of one of your towers, is that the monastery? The Abbey, yeah. The Abbey, sorry. There is a difference, but yes, there it's the Abbey. <laughs> yes, it's the Abbey. I went to Catholic grade school. I should probably know this, but I don't. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was corrected a couple times, and I remember. But well, yes, okay. it's the Abbey, and it's in their bell tower. Okay. So I'm sure someone will have the question, well, what actually is an abbey, and how did we get a tower up to the – why would they even want it? You know, because I think I made an irreverent uh, assumption when we first talked about it, but why, why does an abbey need a tower? Well, the Pope is tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> I there mean, you know, there's, there they're still connected. It was, it was actually um, – through, I think, their building permit and uh, public safety that had to do the fire inspection, mm-hmm. talking with them, and they mentioned that they wanted service, and so public safety then, you know, because it was their fire and rescue stations being connected on the network, um, they they are the ones that kind of made that link for us. Okay. And and so now how are, how are the good folks at the Abbey using the wireless connectivity? How are they using it? I'm not sure, but they oh, are using okay. it. <laughs> you know, I have visions of, you know, uh, inter-county prayer services that are being conducted. I'm but not yeah, sure, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's worked out very well for us because that is an extremely high altitude. Well, that's good. And, then, and and the lesson from that for, you know, all our listeners is, you know, leave no stone or or Abbey unturned because you, you never know where you're going to find, you know, support for your infrastructure. You can't exactly, exactly. And uh, I think in in my um, collaboration with other folks in at least in Virginia, oftentimes I'll be speaking with someone about what we've done, and I think many times localities are not aware of how many vertical assets they really have. And I think that's one of the key things that every locality should really have that as part of their GIS. And, um, you know, I mean, you can do the hill shades and, and all that really pretty stuff. And that that is that kind of gives you a pattern or at least lets you know what your options might be. But I think every locality has some number of towers and water tanks and uh, vertical assets that they should have mapped and and know what they have available. And so you're you're creating a GIS map for that. We have, yeah. Oh, okay. oh absolutely. For yes. the you know for some of the folks who may not know, what is a GIS map and how do you use it in this context, or in a broadband? I assume this is a planning tool. Right, geographic information service, similar to but different Google Earth. Okay. Um, you know, just a way to spatially look at your um, locality and see the hills and the terrain, but even more importantly, to plot where your community buildings are, where your schools are at, where your um, water tanks and towers are at, <laughs> so that visually, you know, when and, and that's how our our partners managed it very well, and us as along with them. Um, as we wanted to tap into that network more and more, it was very helpful just to have a map overview of the county and be able to see where everything was at. Okay. And then I should probably point out, I've, I've talked to other um, 
folks in, in in the engineering space and so forth who talk about the value of knowing where everything is and also having some knowledge of number one the access to it so can a community get to these vertical assets that that they have identified um if there are legal issues say for example you know you have to negotiate uh easements and that kind of thing you know these are all good things to know because it will affect the 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 time that it takes to deploy these and um you know and then just you know and where there may be future um vertical assets by virtue of someone's building a new building or you know plans that one government agency has because if we're talking the county I mean you have local government entities and you have the you know the the feds national uh, entities and between all of those different bodies, there may be projects in the works that would uh, have an impact on, you know, what kind of assets you get in and what you can take advantage of. Correct, and you, we've also when we first started this, um, we were not shy about identifying a very high elevation point and approaching uh, landowners. And actually, there is a key pole in one section, one northeast section of our county that is part of this network that actually is just erected on a citizen's land. Mm -hmm. But he happens to be at the very top of a ridge that is just a fantastic spot for reaching a little development of people that were desperate for broadband. So, you know, we actually did that in another section of the county as well. So, you know, sometimes you may not be able to um, get into a spot and erect an entire tower, but if you can negotiate with a landowner, with a citizen, and put up a utility pole, if it's an appropriate place without a lot of tree coverage, that can be pretty important for reaching people. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you stated, putting up towers, um, we had an ideal spot, land that was donated. It would have just lit up our whole southeast side of our county. Unfortunately, as you were talking, there were many, there were about five landowners that were going to have to grant us easements to get a road into that site, and a couple of them we couldn't negotiate with, so we had to okay. move on to a different site. Right. Well, let me let me kind of swing this around a little bit to a different but related topic. Um, what it would be good to get an idea of the steps that were in your planning process. Who was involved, and and how did you gather the information about what the community needed to then be able to do your your actual plan? Uh, we first conducted uh, a broadband assessment, mm-hmm. and that gathered information from our cable provider, which we have a franchise, um, the telco, and it's some kind of, sometimes very difficult to to get real data from your incumbent mm-hmm. telco, but we were able to to gather some. And again, that's where we used maps to lay out here's the county here's where the cable infrastructure is which they did provide us maps of that and here's where DSL is mostly available and that really put it in front of us we had only from the center out to the northeast corner of the county in that direction out towards that lake that was really the only quarter of our county that had any options and you know that was a a pretty bleak picture um if you consider it lights on lights out there most of our county was had lights out okay when when you're talking about broadband so then it became a matter of plotting where our towers were at Mm -hmm. and working with our partner to say, okay, if you erect infrastructure at all these tower sites, how much can we, you know, how many people can we reach? About the fourth year into this partnership, we have one four-year college in our county, and they had a grant 
to work with the local government and community on some economic development initiative. And what they chose was broadband. Mm -hmm. So we leveraged their geography students to work with GIS and help do that spatial analysis to um, say, okay, if this is the equipment that we're going to place on this hilltop and it has this range, um, which direction are we going to be able to reach the most people? And we also conducted a public um, broadband survey of people that wanted broadband and didn't have an option, and we plotted that demand. And then we looked at the the elevation points, the tower locations, and, you know, so we we did quite a bit, but um, the, I think the biggest thing was the broadband assessment and putting it down on paper and then adding our tower sites, and that really told us where to focus mm-hmm. the build-out. And did you, the uh, county staff, then conduct the needs assessment uh, of your constituents? Did you have someone yes. do that for you? Okay. Yes. Yes. So you just went out and gathered the. Uh, by the way, uh, what percentage do you think of the population actually replied to your survey? And that have to be exact, but just to give us an idea. It probably was not a lot because we were on a short timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was probably in the teens. Yeah, you know, probably fifteen, eighteen percent. Yes, because that's about three it, times the national norm. So, <laughs> <laughs> a good well, we hit every. Down. You know, we hit our local radio, local newspaper, all the libraries, all the minute markets. You know, we tried to hit as much as we could. But um, when people don't have the service, and and you know, most people in today's world that do not have broadband are very passionate about needing it. And they're willing to do what they have to do if it's going to facilitate getting them to service. Okay. So they are not shy in expressing both their needs and probably gave you ideas on how to how to execute and move forward, whether you asked them or not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, six years ago, yeah, six years ago, I... I received a lot of phone calls with people almost angry about, I don't have broadband, what are you going to do about it? Today, I get, I had one this morning, but I get those very rarely anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty good barometer for me. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, you, you're tracking this stuff, which is, you know, a good lesson to, uh, you know, to our listeners that you've got to be on top of it from the front end. Now, from... Your observation, did the exercise of gathering the feedback also help the marketing of the network, you know, getting people to want to be customers, subscribers? Um, yes, it did. Yes, it did, because some of them um, some of them didn't know, but the, our partner does a pretty good job of marketing, you know, in the local newspaper, and we have we have information on the website, and so a lot of constituents, if they have an internet connection or even dial-up, they still go to the website. That's just the inclination of people, you know, what what are my options? And um, plus they advertise in the local newspaper, they've done some radio spots, there's been um, quite the quite the publicity on them. So I think they're fairly regular, regularly known around here. So in the in the all in all, you consider your network to be a big success. I right? yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. If you were to highlight, um, I don't know, a philosophy or outlook or just a line of action, what's been the the key uh, to your success? I think it's community, um, and I say that. I I don't mean just the citizens. I mean. Our internal folks were, you know, there was one faction wanting to do public safety radio. We had needs, us collaborating, thinking outside the box, how can we make this work for everybody? Um, Same thing with the partner. If we do something, how can we help them? Same thing when they 
or going to make a change to their network or do an upgrade or add another site, they let us know in case there's something that we can glean off of that. You know, the citizens have, we have done so many articles and so much outreach, even through that project with the college, there was some students that did a lot of outreach and conducted some community meetings. I think that plugged everybody in to working as a community. And then, you know, that's when you have the citizens calling, well, I've got this mountain over here. I own the land at the top. and You can put a tower up there. You know, everybody understands it takes a community effort mm-hmm. to build to build the network. And so in some respects, the need drives the cooperation I think so. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, um, I think that's what everybody's mindset should be, rather than who's going to who's going to deliver this to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can see where that that would make sense. Now, it was interesting. You know, you you talked about the fact that your provider does um, a, a really good job of of marketing, but um, what wasn't this like a, a suddenly homegrown? Business that actually started here with with the founders of this ISP with sorry yes um, it, it's two brothers and one of them had a business for years uh, a tower business the other one had always been a network en- engineer but they had lived in different states. And when the network engineer moved here, he was completely frustrated with the lack of broadband. So the two brothers said, let's leverage our, our towers. And then we happened to call them right about that time. Hmm. That they had so already in, put together a small network and proof uh, of concept. But in, in many respects, the the vision of we need broadband, we need a better broadband spawn the business and now the business is the partner and everybody seems to have won a lot in this. Yes. 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 That's pretty good. Now how do you keep things going so that um you know you maximize the partnership so that both partners win? Um well I we touch base a couple times a year, the um, one of the brothers is the more business mind. He and I always sit down at least once a year, and he shares with me his needs, and I'll share with him ours if there are any. Um, we don't hesitate to call on them and vice versa. If they're having an issue with one of the towers, having some you know infrastructure problems, he doesn't hesitate to call. Um, it is a true partnership, and um, we were very, very fortunate to get two guys that are so credible and so good. Um, because that's what made the partner. That's what made it a success. It's just the people involved, I believe. But it's a great partnership. So we're always in communication um, and always trying to figure out what we can do to help each other. That's pretty good. Now, I, excuse me. From my, um, you know, experience, I, I see that the quality of the relationship and the openness of the communication between the public sector and the private sector partners is crucial. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you're 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 validating that. That is definitely yes. There, yes. There's got to be that personal communication. Yes. Yes. And there's. It, it, I think when my technical services manager um, bumps up against that network and needs something, he doesn't hesitate to pick up the phone because they are just like members of our team. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that's how it needs to be because it's together that we've been able to make this work. Right. I know that in some of my um, <clears throat> writings about broadband and my advocacy for community involvement, I do get a certain amount of pushback from folks who are, you know, anti-government being involved in any kind of decision and, you know, assume that, you know, I speak from a position of disliking the the private sector, but I think that, um, you know, it's only some parts. The unresponsive parts of the private sector seem to be where the issue is because I feel that um, the 
small, rural, the regional telecom companies, I mean, they really have the community's best interests at heart more times than not. I don't know if you've talked yes. to colleagues in other counties, but doesn't that really seem to be the case? Yes, yes, I, I believe so. Um, and I agree with you because there's a, a small utility not far from us, and every time I've ever interacted with any of the folks involved in that, they to me they seem just like our partners. Mm-hmm. They're just they're they're honestly just want to do the right thing. Um, I will say though that when you you asked um, did I did I see the whole thing as a success? Yes, especially considering the economy that we have lived through in the past few years. Um, you know, anytime you start a business, and especially between two guys that really were not businessmen, and that business is sustainable for more than five years. I think that's the benchmark. That is but indeed. But even more, even more than that, sustainable for more than five years in these economies that w- this economy that we've had to live through in the last three or four years. I think that really, you know, if, if the economy was different. Uh, the only thing I'd be worried about is that these two would have made so much money at that point they would say that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my fear then. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of let's take a look at this money issue because obviously in every community <clears throat> money is a, an issue, and it's not so much that people aren't willing to pay for services. I mean, there are obviously people uh, for for whom even making that hurdle is is significant but as far as moving projects forward money is a big factor and when you have a smaller tax base you know you 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 multiply the 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 hurdles how do communities get past these how do how do we work past this um that's you know that's a good question <laughs> we did have um some homeland security grant money not much it was $50,000 um, that we were able to leverage early on because we were connecting those fire and rescue stations. So that helped. Um, there was one commercial tower involved. So what we did was look at that tower and determined what government facilities that tower was going to serve and then paid for the services we would glean from that tower mm-hmm. for five years in advance, which gave the our partner the money that they needed to cover the expenditure of going onto that commercial tower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the county in general, out of general funds um, contributed some over the last six years. Of course, we've had, we went probably about three years with no contribution. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's not been a lot. So um, just here and there, but fortunately, you know, the the partner managed their resources very well. They've stayed a relatively small business. They were up in a number of employees there for a while, about the second or third year. But then they they also managed their growth so that they did not garner so many customers so quickly they couldn't deliver the service that they needed to deliver. So they managed their growth, but um, that was just kind of how we funded. So the, the business was self-sustaining, obviously. Mm-hmm. So this actually brings up an interesting uh, discussion point because I've heard this said by a number of people, which is you have to manage growth because, especially when you're dealing with the smaller providers, uh, because the growth could actually kill you. The, 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 mm-hmm. You can, in essence, die by success, which is you know, right. It, it's counter to people's intuitive thinking, but you know, how real is that? I think it's very real. Um, it was for the you know now our partner has been doing this so long. It's, it's they know, they know what they're doing. But like you said, when they started out, this was a new business for them. Um, but they were smart enough to know that they had, they were just building this network for the first time themselves, and they didn't want to take on so many subscribers that, you know, 
technically the service they were delivering was not of quality as well as the customer service needed to be good. So, um, you know, both things. You didn't want to have so many calls to set up new service where people were having to wait too long. So they managed their marketing in a very controlled manner. You know, bring up a tower site, hook those folks up before going, you know, before starting to try to add subscribers to every single transmitter. Um, just as this past winter when they added a really super, super mountain site to the north end of this network, which really opened up service to people that had been in desperate need for, you know, three, four, five years now. Um, and these folks in that particular area is more like a bedroom community to a much larger county just north of us. So there's a lot of commuters, a lot of professionals. Um, they were very well prepared once they brought that tower up to reaching out and, and going through their list and contacting those people very methodically and had a set number so that they did not over-promise. Mm-hmm. Now, does that put the county in a position, okay, even though the the partner, oh, by the way, what's their name, the the, the company name for the, your partner? B2X. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> people would probably you know, want to check them out and talk to them and so forth. But in any event, does the even though they're running the network, do you have a situation or can you get into a situation where you are um, – having to really work at managing people's expectations. Because if you have this pent-up demand, which clearly you did, people are going to want it, and they're all going to want it tomorrow, and they're not going to be very happy if they, you know, go go to church Sunday morning and, you know, two of their neighbors, you know, have, have, have the service and they don't. I mean, you know, that they're not going to feel very charitable at that particular moment. How, how, does, how does the county play in that space? Um, I think the only thing that we really did was stress that, they were a small business. They were um, delivering the service as quickly as they could while maintaining good customer service. I just reminded people of that, and I think everybody appreciates that. They would rather wait and know that they're going to get good service than to be promised something that's not delivered. And um, being a rural community and understanding because we had done so many um newspaper articles about our partnership so the citizenry had they had been exposed to it they understood what was going on then with the um grant initiative at the local college that added more publicity more media so people people were aware of how this was happening and i think everybody so many people um knew it was coming and that was hopeful. That was hope enough. You know, is there light in that tunnel? Okay, there's light in that tunnel. I'll be all right. Right. <laughs> May right, not right, get right. here as fast as I want, but I'll be all right. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe in some respects, knowing two or three of their neighbors who have it, even though they it's coming, have it it's getting well, closer. They know that it, it is indeed it's a reality because they can talk about right. it and so forth. And yeah. um, so now you talked about. Uh, newspaper articles and so forth. How active did the county get in the awareness campaign of getting people aware that the service is on its way? Um, only in the respect of, of, you know, talking about the partnership and how it was being structured. And, you know, we would say call B2X. You know, if you, if you need service, call B2X. And if anyone called me, that that would be the first thing. Have you called B2X? You know, and just reminded people that we were not, that that was a private partner, that mm-hmm. was their business. Um, we couldn't influence it or anything else. You know, mm-hmm. um, that was about it. But but it is but it is um, it's effort, but not too much effort. It's in coordination, and you know, and we still let people do their you know, their respective jobs, the county does theirs, the partner does theirs, but clearly everyone's pulling, you know, the same oars in the water and moving in the same direction. Right. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That's very good. Now let's talk about for a minute um, the – 
what people can expect, other counties, right? You've, you've climbed a fairly big mountain, I mean, literally and figuratively. You know, you've come mm-hmm. a long way. The network is solid. More importantly, the constituents have broadband that, that they didn't have before. And one of the constituent groups that I, always, I talk about a lot are the local businesses because I see broadband as being a, a strong economic development play. What kind of um, change did you notice? And it can be anecdotal, but what kind of change did you notice in the businesses? Were they on board? You mentioned that there are business customers along with individual residential customers, but was the business community as excited about having this network come into play as the regular constituents were? Absolutely. Um, We had a somewhat, I don't know that I want to say small, it was small, medium business that had moved into the county. Um, the owners of that business had purchased their homes, had purchased homes before ever checking on broadband availability. Um, fortunately, most people don't do that now, but six years ago there was a lot of people <laughs> buying a house before they ever checked. And The owners of this business both wanted capability to access their network and conduct their business from their homes in addition to their office. And um, they found the plant space, office space that they needed, but unfortunately it was in a location at that time that had no broadband option. So they worked with our partners to put up some small towers and to do some things that similar to when we lit up a couple of our fire stations, if we put in a small tower to reach that facility, then the partner could broadcast from that little tower to that community. These, um, This new business and the business owners did the same thing in exchange for getting some services to the locations that they needed. They were willing to then let the let our partner broadcast from those locations to that community right around them. So, I mean, it was still, it was it was no different than with other citizens. But, yeah, there, there are more and more people and more and more small businesses in today's economy, especially that people start up out of their homes. Um, you know, the industrial age is gone, and there's a lot of different ways that people have to try to earn their living and, and make do. And, a lot of times that's out of their home. Right, I know that makes sense. And it's kind of timely, too, because this Friday, uh, working with the International Economic Development Council, I'm going to be doing my annual survey of, of economic development professionals to get a gauge, an update, if you will, on how economic development is being impacted by broadband. And you bring up an interesting point. Um, I think in, in last year's survey, I, I looked at the home-based business mainly as entrepreneurs, you know, people who are starting a business or even a second business, a sideline business or whatever at home. But people with regular companies now, aren't they look, having more of their executives and managers doing work at home almost as much as they are at the office? Not necessarily as many hours, but doing the same kind of work mm-hmm. from home as they may do in an office typically. I think so, and I think... There's another um, example that we have within our county around that lake is we have, you know, some retired executives that don't necessarily, I mean, they they may retire from their primary career, but they continue to consult or do some work, and um, they have to have broadband. Right. still collaborate with whatever companies or whatever industries that they came out of. Um, so you have some of both of that. Right, right, right. Yeah, that, that does make sense. Because those folks that are doing the same kind of work they did before are probably moving uh, m- as much or more data back and forth. Because mm-hmm. typically if you're on your desktop, you know, all that stuff stays local. But if you now have an executive or a former executive as consultant, you've got to move all of that back and forth, and you want to look at things like uh, Skype for video conferencing and, and so forth. And, and again, that makes a, a lot of sense. So besides the the um, service provider, the WISP, were there other businesses, do you think, that 
came to the area because uh, of the network? Because you mentioned six years ago people would look at a community, but they wouldn't necessarily look at, you know, is there broadband in my home? But do you think that there's at least a couple that... I'm not sure if I can say they came here because of that. Um, That partnership was innovative, in my opinion, Um, and it shows the ability to collaborate and think outside the box and work with the community. That um, has led to some acknowledgement that we've received, some awards that we've received. I think all of those collectively may entice people to move here. Um, But I don't know that you can all point – yeah, I don't know that you can point it, pinpoint it back to that one partnership. But I think what spawns from that collectively, yes. Okay, and and you know again that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense and does fit the pattern. So we're we got about five minutes left. I want to hit one one or two more questions. And so getting back to the money issue, now you you're you've been successful at getting grants. Um, what's just one, one grant? Okay, one grant. One that was it was cre it was a crucial grant. So mm-hmm. what would the from your experience the one key piece of advice to give to small communities that want to go after grant money to help get their project moving? Um, I think if you can, especially if you could can collaborate with your neighboring localities, I think all grants are easier to obtain if it's going to serve the, the larger population it can serve. So especially if it can be more of a regional or district level rather than a single locality. Okay. Um even even if it's a county, if it's gonna if you can partner with the towns or cities within that county, um I think demonstrating partnership helps a lot. Um and of course if that funding is going to be used to improve um, citizen services, public safety, law enforcement. That's, so that's always your leverage a big point, win. Then. Yeah, I think so. Are there one or two things to avoid doing if you're going to go down that path and try to pursue a grant? Um, I'm not sure that I can think of anything there other than you don't want to be too constrained um, because a lot of times when you start down, and you know, there's always things that pop up, so you have to have a little flexibility. But I'm not sure that I can be definitive on that. That's okay. The, you contemplate the other thing. The, one, one more point, Craig. Sure. Um, when you're looking at funding, I think it's also important to consider what your initiative may reduce in your operating expenditures. Because just as we reduced our telecom expenditures 36%, you know, if you need funding, that savings can be the source of funding, future funding. Right. So using that as a leverage uh, point to to get your thing started, which is actually very interesting because the the guest we have on Wednesday is Jory Wolf from the city of Santa Monica in uh, Southern California, and that is indeed a large part of how they funded their network because their IT department had zero budget to move with, yet they were able to uh, savings to get started, and they were able to expand the network and sell dark fiber services, um, and and have built a fairly striving, a very strong uh, business for them. So uh, that indeed is uh, is a plus. And Sandy, I want to thank you for your time and all of your great insights and being our guest today. This has been a lot of fun. It's always fun talking to you, Craig. I appreciate it. <laughs> we will definitely talk again as you guys progress. Make no mistake. So uh, to wrap up, this has been Gigabit Nation. We want to thank our sponsor, Hiawatha Broadband Communications. Again, they're at www.hbci.com. I also want to thank our media partners, GigaOM, MuniWireless.com, Broadband Communities Magazine. 
They're very supportive. I, uh, you'll find a lot of my stuff there as far as my writings and so forth and so on. I want to encourage you to yeah, come back again, our audience. Thank you for being here today. And also tell uh, your friends and your colleagues you know, what's happening here because we are uh, on a mission. You know, Our mission is to help bring broadband to more communities. So the more listeners we have, the more supporters we have, the more that we're able through our guests to get those messages out uh, to, to, to potential stakeholders, to potential network builders, let's get it done. Let's get broadband out there in more places. Thank you. Have a great day. Have a great rest of your week.